welcome to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right. Welcome back into the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Still a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Check out your boys and countless other great fantasy sports shows over at FullTimeFantasy.com, at FullTimeFantasy on the tweeters, and of course you can follow us, AsylumFantasySports.com, at AsylumFootball on Twitter, and to be part of Rick's historic and famous mailbag, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Rick, it's week nine. Rick, it's Halloween. Very festive. Rick dressed up as a corpse tonight. I, I wish everyone could see it. It looks horrific. It's terrifying in his new uh, zombie corpse outfit. So a uh, happy Halloween there, granddaddy. Yeah, it's a wonderful holiday. <laughs> Just no joy in your <laughs> not, life at Not all. at all. It, it's a stupid holiday. Bunch of little... Things coming to the door begging for food. <laughs> Little things. <laughs> I do like all the ghost shows on TV. I've never been a trick-or-treater. I don't get all excited to have the kids coming you know, to the I door. I haven't seen many ghost shows, quite frankly. Oh, it's all that's on. Really, get I you the travel channel. I don't know why the travel... Now on the travel... Oh, I have ch- saw some haunted hotels. Yeah, and, yeah I have yeah, seen The travel some of that. channel, they don't travel anywhere, but they'll go, if there's somebody dead there, they're going to find it. Exactly. So, so apparently, hey, we, the Ghost Adventures crew tonight is... Be, it's good that we're going to blow the lid off of everything. They have some piece of evidence that's supposed to be mind blowing, and it's going to be appointment TV. I guess I'm going to have to me. record it because of the football game on tonight. Yeah, so. I, I, Arizona and San Francisco. Watch Ghost Fantas- Fantasy implications, my man. <laughs> and, uh, I'm and ready to go. Maybe a few on the San Francisco side. I am that. ready to go. <laughs> we are Fligger and Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show on the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Hey, we got some exciting news today. Well, we did. Our old friend Corey Park. Carson is joining the full-time fantasy oh, podcast nice. network. Um, Maybe we can get him back in the fold. I, I boy, I tell you, we've been trying to hook up with him all season. Schedules have been kind of crossed. I need to up. get the phone lines working. I guess. Yeah, we've been we trying to get Bob Lung on for a month, and I we can can't do. get Bob on uh, because our technician Alejandro is out competitive spooking people. Apparently, now I don't oh, know. He's gone to that. Yeah, he's, he's dressed up as. Uh, dead Paul Bunyan, I think. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> yeah. And, Just uh, like in a haunted house? Huh? Did you ever do that? I can't picture you in one of those haunted houses. Oh, or those I was haunted a kid one I, I don't like you know, being in closed quarters and somebody jumping out. and I mean, because I just want to swing. My, that's your you first know. instinct, right? right? I don't know how people do it. I was never one to pay to have the hell scared out of me. And as you've seen, Rick, I do scare easily. I'm very jumpy. And so... I know, but, I mean, but you're a lot like I am. We have three emotions. We're either happy, we're either sad if something, you know, personal might happen, or we're angry. That's it. Is hungry an emotion? Uh, no, that's just a feeling. Okay. Now, feelings, you know, we have hungry, tired, yeah. sick. That's about, about it. About six years ago, horny, but that's pretty much gone now. I, I yeah, for you, I, yeah. 35 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I mean. I, but we won't we won't get into all of no. that. No. All right, so what, I guess we got to talk about football today, right? Yeah. Kind of a dull week 
just in terms of news, in terms of headlines. I thought it was going to be an exciting one, right, Rick, with the trade deadline coming up. Boy, all the anticipation, and that thing was just a thud. Crickets, yeah, it was <laughs> and, terrible. And, and some of the stuff, like if you're the Bengals and you're the Redskins, well, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, seriously, why is A.J. Green still a Bengal? Why is Trent Williams, we're, we'll get into him here in a minute, why is he still a Redskin? Why is Akeem Tlaib a Dolphin? Yeah, well, that, Why is he even going to show up? That was an actual salary dump, which you rarely see in the NFL. That was pretty cool. Not only did they give Tlaib, they gave extra just to get rid of Tlaib's contract. Yeah. But beyond that, all the talk of all the movement we were going to see, there was speculation on Tuesday morning, Le'Veon Bell was going to go. Uh, uh, nothing, just nothing, which is more normal, right? And I don't know why yeah. I let myself buy into the hype that this was going to be an NHL or MLB-like trade deadline. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. Well, <clears throat> pardon me, and what, what incentive, if you're A.J. Green... Okay, we're 0-8, and, and they've just benched the only quarterback I've ever known for a rookie or this young kid anyway. Right. I mean, you know, I, I have a feeling his foot and stuff is really going to start hurting this week. Makes you wonder. Now, he keeps saying, I want to come back in week 10 after the bye. I want a long-term deal. Now, I almost wonder with when he said that is, I want a long-term deal, comma, I want to be a Bengal, or I want a long-term deal, and I want it now, or this ankle and toe and earlobe and everything else is going to keep bothering me for the duration of the season, and then I'm out, which I think may be what he was saying, right? It becomes a holdout then at that point. I, For him to still be on the Bengals is just completely ridiculous. It, Bengals saying, it's not my responsibility to make every team's better. This sounds like every idiot I tried to trade with in my fantasy leagues, right? Well, that trade would make you better. Well, (laughs) all right, sorry. You know, I guess (laughs) next time I will come to you with something that makes me, you know, noticeably worse. So so it's fair for everybody. Exactly. But but otherwise, Rick, not a lot going on. Devontae Adams still day-to-day. Now they're calling it day-to-day, which – it's he was running today they with helmet um after light practice yesterday um whenever you're listening to this this is Thursday evening I uh, still said he had a little a little bit of discomfort when he tried to cut on on that big toe so you know you just have to wait and see I mean this is a long time waiting for him to come back and bravo for the Packers not trying to rush him back. Right. They, they been, haven't needed to. No, they haven't needed to. They've been winning. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I've got him in my lineup right now, but I'm ready to unplug him again. Yeah, I've got him in three or four <laughs> others, and I plug him in, and then Saturday night, well, I, I guess yeah. not. Tell you what, you, you hear that, and, you, boy, you just don't think it's any big deal turf toe, right? It just sounds so innocuous, but – yeah, I have no reason to believe that Devontae Adams isn't a tremendous competitor and a tough guy. I have no reason not to believe that. And an injury like that becomes only about pain tolerance, right? It's only about pain tolerance. There's no actual injury to the extent of, you know, you got a wonky knee, you could make it worse, right? It's just exactly. a pain tolerance. And he could be going on missing a month with this thing. How painful must turf toe be? And we may, we need, what I'm saying is we need to come up with a scarier name for it, I think, than turf toe. Yeah, I don't know what to. 
I, that painful pivot toe. I have no idea. I mean, it's. I don't think that's scarier. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Hold on, I got to jot something. Just a thought. Down. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of scary. Uh, you know, I don't know, axe uh, murder toe or something. Boo toe. I don't know. <laughs> Bit. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta write that down now too. I don't think we really need to write all these toe names uh, down. Know, I, I keep a record of such things. But you right? know, as the asylum likes to tell you, you gotta stay monitoring the situation. Yeah. If he's playing, you are going to put him in your lineup. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, because again, <clears throat> so just to let you know, don't send me questions on the weekend if it, if it says looks like Devonte Adams is going to play. Should I bench? Devontae Adams for, you know, whoever. Yeah. Sterling Shepard. Yeah, Sterling Shepard. No. Right, yeah. You know, if he's going to play, put him in your lineup. And that's the thing, because, again, I, I feel better. I'm always nervous after a guy has an extended – I get burned on this a lot. But a guy has an extended absence. He's still iffy into that week he comes back. If it's something suited a clavicle, uh, you know, an MCL – Something like that, a wonky ankle. I'm reticent to put them in that first week. Something like this where it's strictly a pain tolerance, if he decides on Sunday he's good to go, he will play through it. Maybe he's not 100% of Devontae Adams, but 80% of Devontae Adams is better than 90% of the other wide receivers in the league and 100% of the wide receivers on your waiver wire that you're going to go out there and pick up to replace him. So, yeah, that's one if he plays – I feel confident playing him yeah if you're in a quality league there's nothing on the waiver wire so you know if you're in a eight or ten teamer maybe you pick somebody up but even so if he's playing you start it's simple as that looks like adam thielen's going to be back after that short absence with the uh, hamstring injury cardinals rick though it was one actual trade move i guess made is the cardinals of all teams bring in Kenyon drake uh, Chase Edmonds out now at, this week after what looked like a real scary injury. Turned out it wasn't nearly as bad as we thought it was going to be. David Johnson out. <laughs> and I think David Johnson is – in fact, I had a little conversation uh, with, with someone Adam on Twitter. To, no, oh. with somebody on Twitter. But, I mean, I, I really just have a feeling he he's done as a Cardinal. It's gotten to the point, the way these last two weeks have gone, I don't think this is necessarily injury concern. There's something more there. There's some personnel, personality. There's something he doesn't want to be there and they don't want him there. I've, I have nothing to base this on, but I've come to believe that. The way it was, he was going to be a game-time decision. He plays in that game two weeks ago. He gets the first carry of the game, and then he's gone. Right. And, you know, the Kingsbury comes out after the game and says, well, he was only there for emergency purpose. Well, BS. If he's an emergency player, number one, that would have leaked. But let's say it didn't and you have some ironclad organization. You don't give your emergency starter the first carry of the game, right? right. That's, that's not what you do. Then last week, out early, there's something more. This and, isn't and, all about injury. And the thing is, like we just talked about Adam Thielen. We know what's going on with Adam Thielen. Right. You know, we know what's going on with Devontae Adams. We knew what was going on with Drew Brees. This is a high-profile player, one of the top 20 players going into this year. 
and now all of a sudden we have no idea why he's not playing. They're, they're Chase Edmond is looking like Jim Brown, and right. now he's out. They bring in Kenyon Drake and, and David Johnson. We still don't have anything. It's like, you know, if there was a headline out there that said, you know, David Johnson problem with his ankle proves to be, you know, concerned with ligaments, yeah, et cetera, the, the blah, blah, blah. Is, you could say something, you know, to justify this. But, I mean, they're they're just not saying anything, and they're bringing in players, et cetera. So, I have no idea. I just think he's done as a Cardinal, quite frankly. You just – you don't bring in – even before Edmonds got hurt last week, you don't have a David Johnson who for two weeks was, I'm doing the air quote thing, game time decision with a non-serious ankle injury. You go out and sign Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris. Right. And then four days after that, trade for Kenyon Drake. If this is just either he's got some long-term injury they's not talking about, number one, or number two, he has – where I'm starting to lean, there's something there. Him and Kingsbury aren't clicking. He's unhappy. I, I don't know what it is they're not saying, but there, there's a whale of a lot more to that right now than just that little bit of, a, of an iffy ankle there. Speaking of iffy, James Conner, iffy this week, Rick, with a shoulder injury. Benny Snell out a couple of weeks, plus apparently Benny Snell – a little a little issue with marijuana to go along with that. Jalen Samuels trending towards playing, but not a guarantee. I, I think I'll tell you what I worry now about James Conner. We we see kind of see this over and over again. When he has a good game, is when he gets a high volume, right? He's kind of one of those backs, which which is fine, especially the sure. way that offense is constructed right now with Mason Rudolph at the quarterback position. But every single time he gets a big workload, he's a question mark the next week. You don't want to call a guy injury-prone. He's certainly not soft after everything he's overcome in his young life. But this is getting really concerning. He needs a lot of work to put up numbers, but every time he gets a lot of work, he's banged up, misses a game, or he's a game-time decision. This is a real – this is a guy, late first round, early second round, draft choice in fantasy football. I think next year he falls to the fourth round for me for this reason yeah. alone yeah and none of these guys are soft let's let's be right exactly some guys are unlucky some yeah. guys are yeah, basically they're injury prone maybe there's something you know we had this discussion about um Andrew Luck a couple of years ago I'm, I'm almost Convin- completely convinced that some guys' bodies do not heal like other guys' right. bodies oh, do. Why yeah. would they? I'm certain exactly. Of it. Yeah. Um, but getting back to Pittsburgh, Jalen Samuels is good to go this week, and that's not even a concern. Okay. So I mean, we, there's uh, reports out there, um, Rotor Wire, ESPN, etc. Then he is ready to go. James Conner is kind of iffy. I actually listened to him. Uh, on the radio yesterday, he said it's not too bad. It doesn't feel too bad, but they just have to keep an eye on it. So right. my guess is Jalen Samuels probably start the game. If need be, Connor can come in. However, they probably don't want to risk him. No. Yeah, yeah. What are you saving him for either? All right, Rick, in my favorite story of the week, my absolute favorite, and I mentioned him earlier, I probably should have led the headlines with this. Trent Williams, after not getting dealt ridiculously by the Washington Redskins, reports, you know, that week eight deadline we used to hear about that most guys have been ignoring lately, Reed, <laughs> yeah, Le'Veon I love Bell. This story. 
So he comes back, he takes his physical, passes all the actual physical part, but it ultimately failed the physical due to discomfort while putting his helmet on. <laughs> yeah. What, what is... <laughs> I... Uh. What it? What it? Who's? What I can't. There's figure. no requirement to put a helmet on during a physical number one, <laughs> so that's bogus alert right there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just want. We obviously know it's a what. Joke. Is there spikes in the helmet or what? Is this driven by him or is this driven by the team? This is what I can't figure out. By this, is this something the team's putting out there or something he's putting out there? Thinking, damn, I've been eating triple cheeseburgers every day for eight weeks now, and somehow I still pass this stupid physical. What am I gonna do now? Or right. is it the Redskins saying because they are they're just petty and small? Dan Snyder, both physically and you know right. <laughs> the the other usage of that word, just a very small person, and he's mad. He doesn't want to come and rah rah hail to the Redskins and they're just but but what all you're doing is crushing his trade value right the biggest value he had was to the patriots or to the browns right now and you refuse to do it because you're so petty so now you went from a first round pick to probably a fourth round pick in the spring plus he's not going to play any games because his helmet hurts i mean (laughs) this whole thing just an amazing story and what a ridiculous stupid uh, nothing of a franchise that that Washington Redskins is right now. They're one and seven, Rick. They're still vying for that first round pick, but they beat the Dolphins. Yep, big mistake. That was a big mistake. Big mistake. And finally, your boy, you mentioned it early, the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, benched on his birthday heading into the bye week. They could have announced that anytime. Right. I think there'd be – I don't know if they're willing to move him. I think there'd be a market for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had some good years behind good offensive lines. Of course there would have been a market for him. Um, there's quarter, – quarter, uh, excuse me, there are teams out there with quarterbacks that aren't as good as Andy Dalton. Right. Denver's one of them. Yeah. Um, I dare say Tennessee's another one. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's Tampa had Tampa Bay. Had Tampa Bay. Shine in Tampa Bay right now. Exactly. A ton of weapons. Um, Chicago would be another one. Right. I mean, yeah, there's Atlanta. I mean, Matt Ryan, of course, I can't say anything bad about Matt Shaw's performance last no, week. No, I think you're fine with Shaw until Matt Ryan gets back. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's teams out there, but, of course, they let that boat sail. I don't know what they're planning on doing. Or you're going to bench him in the middle of the season. I don't know what you're going to do with him. Yeah, I guess I don't hate it. You're the Bengals. You're Ofer. You're tanking for Tua. So see what you got in this kid. See if you go after Tua or if you're happy with it. I'm blanking on the kid's name from Ohio State. You did hear about the record that uh, Dalton did set, though, didn't you? I did not. Well, at least on the bright side, the Bengals let him in long enough that he is the only NFL quarterback in NFL history to start 0 and 8 and 8 and 0. That's a pretty cool record, actually. <laughs> I, I like that one. Yeah. So I guess that's a referendum, in my opinion, to everything around Andy Dalton and not necessarily Andy Dalton. Look, he ain't Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, but he ain't Marcus Mariota either. He's right there in the middle. And if you'd put anything resembling a professional defense and a professional offensive line with him, I, I don't think we're sitting here with talking about this. <laughs> but there's another sorry, no account franchise being the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Andy Dalton, like you said, he's he's not a Tom Brady, but there are teams out there. 
that would be willing to give up something of value for an Andy Dalton. Oh, and certainly. God knows Cincinnati needs something of value. Yeah, anything. <laughs> but they had it in A.J. Green, and no, nah, we're not going to make your team better. We're, we're going to continue to suck, but it's not our responsibility to make you better. All right, well, that's about enough of that, Rick. How about your takeaways from week eight, the halfway point of the year? Well, a couple of t- takeaways. Number one, um, I think Buffalo has proven they're not ready for that leap quite yet. Uh, they're a good team, but I'm looking at their schedule, and I mean, I still think this is a team that is in danger of not even being a playoff team. If you, they still have Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England, Denver, and the Cowboys on the schedule. That's, and, a, little, that's a rough stretch right yeah, there. Yeah, and I mean, those are all potential losses. You throw in a couple of Jets and Dolphins, but... Um, you know, this offense is not in the same league as, say, like Pittsburgh, New England, Dallas, or Baltimore. And those are real potential losses right there. And, hey, hats off McDermott. They're improving. Oh, absolutely. But there's just so much hype on on this uh, Buffalo Bill team. That offense just isn't there yet. No, their defense in- is okay. But when we proved last week, when you have to stay on the field that long, you start getting killed. Right. And Philadelphia yeah. exposed them a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's what happens. And it, it, if this was 20 years ago, I think you're talking about this team as a favorite coming out of the AFC. The AFC's weak. They play really good defense. You know, they, they flash an offense, but they're not very good offensively. The 2019 NFL, those limitations they have on offense are going to catch up with them. You're going to have to be able to consistently score 24, 27 points a week, and they just don't have that right now. The sad thing is I think they may have the ability. This may be where as much praise as we gonna we want to give McDermott. Maybe he's holding this team back here a little bit. We know Josh Allen can get the ball down the yeah. field. They've got some weapons there. they they got a guy in Devin Singletary who every time he touches the ball goes for 20 yards, but they'll only give him the ball three times per game. I think this could be a more dynamic offense. I don't know if it's conservative offensive play from a defensive-minded coach if it's not trusting your young quarterback yet. But I think you're going to have to take the shackles off of Josh Allen, see what you can do, because when you go through a stretch like you just mentioned, just think, if they could score 21 points, they'd have owned New England because Tom Brady wasn't even messing with them. Right. He, just, he just turned around, threw the ball in the ground, and figured my defense is going to win this by a field goal, which is exactly what happened. If they could have played any offense whatsoever – you're going to have to. These teams, those teams you mentioned, are going to score as good as Buffalo's defense is, as well as I anticipate them playing against those teams. Those teams are going to score in the 20s. You're going to have to put up 24, 27 points to have a chance of winning games. That's exactly right. And it seems to be a trend in the NFL. You talk about like taking the shackles off. Some teams have taken the shackles off certain players. But, I mean, we look at that massive day that Tevin Coleman had last week. I forget what it was, 104 yards, um, you know, and so four many yards. And the four touchdowns. Um, he had 13 touches. <laughs> I, 
you know, give him the ball. Yeah, I don't know why. You I mean, didn't. why do you have to worry about Mozart getting getting carries and, and Matt Breida? Matt Breida looks good, don't get me wrong, and it's a pretty nice two-headed attack. But sometimes I think they err on the, on the side. Of, it's almost like we were talking before we come on the air. We'll get to it later, I'm sure, about the World Series and so oh, forth. We're why in the hell wasn't Derek Cole in, in the, on the seventh game of the – you know, these analytics sometimes go so far. And that's why sometimes we always say we're like the key to common sense in this thing. It's like, yeah, numbers are a great tool. But my God, use your head sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you got yeah, one yeah. last shot yeah. in the World Series, and you have the best pitcher in baseball sitting on the bench. Throws ass in there, <laughs> and then we'll get there. I got my whole. Oh, I know, but you... I get wound up too. I, I mean, there's lots of segues. All this kind of crap <laughs> when when you start talking analytics. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love them. You got to use them because there's a lot of proof in the pudding. But I mean, sometimes you just have to. Buck up and use your gut, your common sense in these things. Analytics didn't put you in that job, haven't made you one of the 32, theoretically, 32 best football minds slash football managers on the planet. Right. Trust your gut sometimes. Simple as that. All right, Rick. I'm getting a little nervous about Zach Ertz, Rick, in his usage over the last (laughs) several weeks. Yes. At this point of the year... Kind of in a vacuum, 37 catches, 424 yards, not overly concerning. The one touchdown, number one, is concerning. Yeah. And anecdotally, I don't have any numbers to back this up because I never have any numbers to back anything I say up. It always gives me an out when I do it this way. Feels like every time they get in the red zone, lately, it's Dallas Goddard. And what I don't like about Zach Ertz, he seems to be healthy. I know the Eagles have struggled a little bit. They're not the same Eagles team. But if you look, he had a couple of big games early on in the year, the last one being in Green Bay, and everything has steadily declined since then. Targets, obviously catches, everything going along with something's out of sync in Philly right now, and it's something normally when that offense struggles. I actually like to see that running game fail. I like to see Alshon Jeffrey struggling. I like to see Nelson Aguilar alligator arm and things and running the wrong route and all the stupid Nelson Aguilar things he likes to do because usually that meant that offense is going to run through Zach Ertz and it's just flat not he he's in blocking while Dallas Goddard's running patterns on third down it's just something you know this was one I was screaming about last year when everybody's telling me you know Zach Ertz is, or I'm sorry, Dallas Goddard is the next Antonio Gates. And I'm thinking, well, Zach Ertz is still there. Maybe the nerd dicks were right on this one. I mean, I don't know what's going on here. I'm not real sure. You got one touchdown on 37 catches for Ertz, and you have three touchdowns on 17 catches for Goddard. I don't know why. Maybe Ertz is a better blocker. Perhaps. I don't know. But you would think that – the Eagles could work him into the offense. I mean, this is one of the the top three dynamic right. tight ends in yeah. the league. Now, you have Kelsey, and to me, Ertz is number two. Oh, yeah, Athletically and hands behind it. Better than Kittle, even. And, um, you know, and everybody's pulling their underwear over their head over Hooper this year. And, and, and they should. 52 catches, 591 yards, and five touchdowns. But he hasn't been one of these guys. No, that, till that now. Yeah, till till now. now, exactly. Yeah, Evan Ingram shows flashes, and then he disappears from it and shows flashes. Right. But Ertz has been that nice, steady, and Goddard has just taken over. And 
Ertz just isn't part of the offensive plan. And what's maddening is that offense, save for last week against Buffalo, has been terrible. They've right. been awful. Wentz has been bad. It, everything's been bad. And the best weapon you have, nowhere near him. I know. I agree. All right, I got another take. It's not really a takeaway. I just figured since we're halfway through the season, <laughs> all righty, I just did a uh, top five and bottom five Ooh, of what okay. I, you know, how I see it right now. Okay, right, let's go since we're um, uh, negative. Yeah, we'll do the bottom five all first. All right, I like it. Uh, fifth from the well, let's do it from worst to, to oh, next. Yeah. Don't don't the be worst the worst team. Miami Dolphins, obviously. Um, they're, they were an obvious tank from the get-go. And I'm not going to say that they are showing the less heart of all the teams in the league, but I still think they're talent-wise they're the worst team. Cincinnati's close to them. I had the Jets third from the bottom, followed by Washington and Atlanta. My top five, Minnesota at five, Green Bay at four, San Francisco, New Orleans, and New England. I don't have Kansas City in top five because no. until Matt, Pat Mahomes comes back and they start showing that kind of chief football that we saw last year in the beginning of this year, I tell you what, they're in, a, they're in real danger of losing another one this week. And, and Pat Mahomes needs to come back and be 100% healthy. Is because we saw even the, the struggles. Now, struggles are relative when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. But the struggles even leading into that knee injury, you know, dealing with that high ankle sprain, maybe this would be the best thing that ever happened where he's going to be forced to sit down and get 100% healthy knees, ankles, elbows, toes, everything else he's got going on. Because we've really found out if we didn't know already, and I think I knew but not to the extent of how important his mobility is to everything that he does. Yeah. And so so getting him back healthy, you know, it is telling when you look at the top five, you know, we could shake up the order or whatever, but I agree with those five, too. You know, four of them being NFC teams, you right. know, and, and then New England. What a cakewalk, again, it looks like for, for New England. You know, we're, we're going to get the preview this week with the one team who could maybe be the fly in the ointment for, for New England this right. year. But otherwise, it's just a cakewalk in once again for the Patriots. It's very strange. Are the lights blinking? I hope we don't yeah, lose power. They here. are there. Well, the wind is howling. Out there. We've got a, a storm coming through, and it has been raining all day, and the wind has picked up tremendously. But, uh, yeah, getting back to Kansas City, you know, it's kind of unfortunate they played Green Bay last week because Matt Moore acquitted himself Really well. I mean, that offense played good football. It's just that they couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. And I think they may find themselves in a very similar situation this week, uh, listening tomorrow night. All right, Rick, it's time. Enough of this football junk. I'm over it. Oh, so I can go take a break now because you're going to rant. You've got to listen. As everybody (laughs) knows, I I listen to you all (laughs) the time. I have been a long suffering, die hard. (laughs) Die in the wool, Washington Nationals fan of going on four weeks now, and finally we did it, baby. World Series champion. Where's your hat? Oh, there it is. It's right here. And I remembered this week, I got to take my headset off in order to put my my Nats cap on. You still look stupid with it, so it doesn't really matter. I've got natitude. I'm finishing the fight, Rick. I'm ready. What a cool World Series. It was. It was a great World Series. Here's my takeaway from it. I've decided something. Baseball really isn't in all that much trouble. It isn't as bad as I've been ranting for years it is. Here's the problem with it. 
It's 162 games. When the games mean something, I don't mind a three-and-a-half, four-hour game when every pitch means something. You know what I mean? It's just some random game in Milwaukee in the middle of June. It just It's not relevant, right? So I think, you know, I think it survives as a regional sport, you know, with national interest when, when something like this comes along. You just, you can't, you see it in the NBA. The NBA teams don't even care about the regular season, let alone NBA fans. Right. Same thing with the NHL. Nobody pays attention, including the, the teams and the players until about mid-February. It's just with these long seasons, that's the way it goes. But just what I loved, you know, you, you started on the analytics thing. You know, we saw it, and it reared its ugly head in Game 7. You know, we talked about last week and what made me decide I am a diehard, lifelong, of four-week Washington Nationals fan is there was no talk about launch angle. There was no talk about, you know, exit velocity. It was getting runners on. They're stealing bases. They're sacrifice bunting. They're taking their starting pitcher. In game six, Steven Strasburg, eight and a third, took him into the ninth inning. And you see last night with the Houston Astros, who they've won a title with and have been the best team in the league for three or four years doing simply on analytics. But you see in a one game, in a one inning situation, where it can catch you, right? Zach Granke is dominating. You know, not only, you know, is his pitch count low, he's getting strikeouts, he's getting putouts on his own. You know, his 62 mile an hour curveball is so tough to hit that he had four or five putouts on his own, too. Like, we're talking for six innings. Washington couldn't hit the ball past the pitcher's mound. He was, Granke was doing everything himself. He throws one bad change up. Rendon yanks it in the seats, which is what's going to happen. You're still open. He There's an unintentional, intentional walk to Juan Soto. And then you go to the bullpen. What are you doing? This guy's thrown 80 pitches. They haven't been any other than one bad pitch, whether an Anthony Rendon, who should be the MVP of the National League, barrels one up. Nobody else has shown any ability to hit it off the pitcher's mound, but the analytics tell you, oh, this is the third time through the rotation. You know, for the last X amount of games, he hasn't gone above 85 pitches. We don't want to take him deep in the game, so we got to pull him out. So now... All right, well, they're going to Garrett Cole, right? Well, no, the analytics say if you're going to a starting pitcher, he has to come into a clean inning. A starting pitcher analytically can't come in and inherit base runners and blah, 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 and then wham, Howie Kendrick hits a cheap one down the right field line. So, So now they're kind of doing it the new way, right? They're doing it with home runs with the long ball. But then it starts. They start needing insurance run. And what do you get? You get a leadoff single. You get a stolen base. Moving runner. It was just fantastic. They did it old school. It was fun to watch. It was an old team. I loved all the starting pitching. Just, just tremendous. I, I loved it. My Nats, Rick. My Washington Nationals. It was a good series, no question about that. I'm just, you know, you saw me ranting before the show. Why wasn't Garrett Cole in the game? I don't care what any analytics say. If you're in the seventh game of the World Series, and unless he pitched a full nine-inning shutout the day before, I think he's fine. Right. And, you know, God help him if if he's, you know, not throwing 120 miles an hour. You know, he's got enough stuff that he's better than most pitchers in baseball. And that's just it. And... 
you know, this comes down to, and we, we have this discussion when you get towards the fantasy playoffs here. I can tie it back into what we're actually supposed to be doing for the full-time fantasy network. Is This is still the asylum sports right. show, damn it. It becomes about what you can live with, right? So kind of what you said, the analytics be damned. You're up two to one. Now you're hanging on by a thread. The tying runs on first base. The go-ahead runs at the plate. And even though all the numbers tell you I should go to this stupid reliever, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, or I've got Garrett Cole out there. Maybe the numbers say you go to the reliever and you bring Cole out to, to start the eighth. It becomes, you know what I can live with? It's like the Dodgers in the NLDS when, when this happened to them by this same Nationals team. You know, they go to Clayton Kershaw. He gives up back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches. But I think the Dodgers can say, all right, I gave, I took what my best, everything I had being Clayton Kershaw, and you beat it. If you're Houston, the hell with the analytics. You do the same thing. I got the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. If I'm wrong, if, you know, if Kendrick takes Garrett Cole out, nobody's going to question me. I can live with it, right? Your best beat my best. That's not what happened here. You played scared. You played by the numbers. You didn't bet. First of all, Granky should have never left that game. But you take Granky out, you, you got to go to Cole. It's just they got so wrapped up in the analytics and the nobody can go three times through the line and all this nonsense, and it cost you a World Series. And good, because, again, as four weeks long-suffering as a Nats fan, I needed it, Rick, and it makes me feel good. I'm sure glad you needed it. I'm and in case you didn't know, just uh, I don't know why I noticed this was sticking in my head. Twitter sucks. I wish there was any other way we could promote this show and delete the stupid Twitter. I get on after the game, and you want to read, you know, read up on on everything. So I just go to the trending. I figure the first thing is going to be the Washington Nationals win the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, the number one trending topic on Twitter, 10 minutes after the World Series ended, a, an epic World Series, seven game of a World Series, the number one trend is Bryce Harper. Number two is Joe Buck, because that's the new thing, right? You know, Joe Buck sucks, Chris Collinsworth sucks, every great announcer sucks because they're a fan of whatever team you're not rooting for. Right, right? Exactly. Which tells you how good they are. When everybody thinks that Chris Collinsworth, Collinsworth is actively rooting against their team, that means he's doing one hell of a job. So all of you Joe Buck, Chris Collinsworth haters can shut up. And then it was like something about some dance move and two 15-year-old girl rappers fighting. There was no mention of the effing World Series. We got to take swings at Bryce Harper for leaving, which, listen, loser, if you're making $25,000 a year at your awful job and the guy across the street offers you $25,250 to do the same awful job, you would sprint out the door with two middle fingers in the air, but you want to mock a man who got offered $350 million dollars <laughs> you're gonna mock him for leaving yeah the team got better when he left it, it's not an indictment on bryce harper shut up about joe buck talk about the world series one last thing on this i just it's such a mind-blowing stat rick going into after game six there had never did you hear this stat there had never been a seven game series or a seven game format in either major league baseball 
the NBA or the NHL, any of them. This isn't a baseball stat. Any of the three ma- those three major right. sports that play seven game, where the road team had won each of yeah, the first six games, and so obviously there'd never been. You think about that. That what was it? Four thousand series or something, whatever in the history of what a mind blowing stat. It's probably something. It is. It's probably meaningless, but it's probably something you're never going to see again. It's just, just a cool little anecdote. It's a cool, cool. It number. really was. I mean, that was. Look, you and I talked that, you know, the, the Astros were in trouble heading back to Washington. <laughs> and they were heading back to Houston at 3-2. Oh, it was over. I figured, hey, no, ch- no chance you're going to yeah. lose two in a row. I mean, I just really never thought it would. I mean, it makes no difference. I was glad to see Washington win. Like you said, they, they played yeah, happy good old for f- me and us long-suffering Nationals fans. Natitude, baby. Nothing. Got nothing. I was in the middle of a talk. Oh. I mean, you know, here, you can talk about your hat some more. Well, I'm go done ahead. Now. No, I don't care about your All hat. All right, no, so is ahead. it time for this then? That doesn't matter. <laughs> Who's your game? You're just mad because you're balls. an Astros fan. <laughs> I don't have any game balls. I'll get you I another have, button. I have no socks. <laughs> you have no socks? No, nothing. I, I don't have anything. Just Washington Nationals. Oh, That's all sock. I have. I thought you meant you actually had no sock. <laughs> no, I actually had sock. <laughs> no, my first my game ball uh, running back, my boy Latavius Murray, man. Ooh. Tell you what, 21 rushes, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Nine receptions for another 55 yards and another touchdown. Tell you what, they're smoking, man. They're looking good. You know, Elvin Kamara, get rested up, buddy. We'll use you when you get back. Do you think Murray earned himself more of a Mark Ingram role after those last couple of games? Because, you know, we kind of thought that going in, which is why Ingram, you know, fell all the way to third overall, you know, on fantasy draft boards. Do you do you th- because you know it didn't appear Murray was going to get as much work as Ingram got, and and you know, there was the occasional game where Kamara wouldn't get as much work as you thought he would. But boy, after you've seen what Latavius Murray did the last couple weeks, you know, once against pretty good competition, not so much last week, but but I wonder. Not that I have any fear about Kamara, but would you as you look at Murray going forward, has he earned himself enough to be a standalone kind of flex guy like a Mark Ingram was in that offense? I don't know. I, I'm I mean, that's that one thing I've been thinking about. I wish I could actually feel comfortable if somebody, you know, will probably get to the mailbag, you know, recommending. Right. Because if, if Kamara's out, he's, he's you don't even think about it. You just throw him in your lineup. Right. When yeah. Kamara comes back, I'm not sure. I don't know how they're going to work it because as, as the season has been all year long, it's been Kamara. Yeah. And he got hurt, it's Murray. And I'm just – afraid when Kamara comes back, have a seat, Latavius. We'll call you when we need you. Yeah, and you got to think with the Saints being on a bye this week, I think Kamara was relatively close to coming back last week. You know, having the bye, you got to think he's back 100% next week. Yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable recommending him next week. I, I think they'd be foolish not to. You know, work him in a little bit, but I, it'll be interesting to see. So I'm going to stay since I'm in a good mood and I got the natitude, Rick. We finished the fight. Game ball goes to. I'm going to give me a game ball to. How, how about Aaron Jones, Rick? Yeah, oh. somebody we really haven't mentioned. Yeah, Mike McCarthy starting to look a little foolish in the way he handled that running game. 67 rush yards, 11 catches, a buck 98, two touches. 
He's become a PPR monster, and Williams is getting plenty of his own in the running game. Right, it, it's like a completely reinvented Packers offense. And Aaron, well, you just, could tell the Packers were stale under McCarthy, right. and, and things needed to change. We were a little dubious about the the connection between Rodgers and Lafleur. But I tell you what, Lafleur seems to really have this this thing cranking, and Rodgers is on board, and it's. Proven to be successful so far. Yeah, and Rodgers, we're getting into that absurdity with Rodgers where he gets those stretches and seasons where just everything he chucks up in the air lands in somebody's hands. I mean, he did a couple of throws. That one in the back of the end zone. Now, granted, that that is so smart you know, when he did that because everybody wants to say, oh, look at that perfect throw. No, no, no. He was throwing that ball away. Make no mistake yeah. about it. But he is such a pro. Yeah, he is such an expert at his craft. He threw it away to the point where you know a defender can't get at it, but a receiver with a perfect you know play Position. could right. make it, and it worked out. You know, every once in a you know this is Aaron Rodgers' master play. That's not what it was, but that's what a professional quarterback does. I'm gonna throw this ball away, but I'm gonna put it where my guy. I'm not gonna throw it into the third row to to the. Well, fat that, guy that's with the, the difference beers. between him and the old gunslinger Brett Favre. Oh yeah, it would either have been in the fifth row or a cornerback would have picked it off and oh. run it back 20 yards. Yeah, he'd have thrown it so hard it would have got stuck in the corner's ear hole <laughs> right. and he'd have run back or he'd have killed some poor woman in the stands <laughs> right. chucking it into the upper deck. Absolutely. I agree. God, I miss Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Favre took you to that title that one year. Oh, yeah. With the Vikings, though, not the yeah. Packers. Yeah, Steve. On a brighter note. Look, I know the Redskins red skin stink. They right? do. Uh, we can agree on that. But, you know... <sighs> Averaging eight million dollars a year should be better than three for thirty-four. I mean, Paul Richardson has one game over thirty-six yards all year long. I mean, I there's no reason that this guy shouldn't be producing at a level that he least did in Seattle. Yeah, you would think. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they gave him the money. McLaurin is is putting up numbers, right? Big. So. Paul Richardson certainly deserves a stinky sock because he is just not stepping up whatsoever, I, I think, in this offense compared to what he's getting paid. Yeah, you would just – look, when Dwayne Haskins is bad. When Case Keenum played, you know, Case Keenum was they one – They still stink, but – Right. Case Keenum was one weird play away from going to the Super Bowl a couple yeah. of years back. And now, you know, he comes out, and yeah, and it's just – it almost just – it's like that – Franchise. It's just like your tone of voice. It's yeah. painful. Yeah, that, yeah, went, yeah, that franchise yeah. is just like this vortex of suck. That you know, how many great players have we seen go there over the years? And I'm, you know, Paul Richardson wasn't a great player. No, but it should have been the been perfect kind five of five years, guy. forty million yeah. bucks. Yeah. I mean, he's not perfect, a hideous player. Perfect role guy, and he just never showed up whatsoever. You know, you look at a guy, the pedigree of a Josh Doxson, We always laid it at his feet. I think it's just this. Path- Pathetic franchise. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's all you can say when you talk about. I Washington. agree, and they just deserve a stinky sock. All right. I'm going to the well two weeks in a row, Ray, and I've got. I'm going to keep doing this until he gets run out of the league if this stuff keeps up. Jameis Winston, once again. <laughs> now, now obviously the line was maybe what two picks, two fumbles lost. Still had his team in the game. Still threw for over 300 yards. Here what? Here's why he gets a stinky sock. I just don't think he understands his own position very well. 
Rick, at, at one point in that game, very early in the fourth quarter, very early, a, a young man you may have heard of by the name of Mike Evans had 11 catches for 198 yards and two touchdowns. All right, that's that pretty good, right? Yeah. As the fourth quarter went on and that game got close and Tennessee took the lead for the entirety of the fourth quarter on every important gotta-have-it play, this dope, this charlatan, this fool is throwing the ball at something called a Brashard Perryman. Meanwhile, you got Chris Godwin running up the seam. You got Mike Evans. Mike Evans has been in the league long enough. We have seen him enough times when he gets in this mode you just throw it up somewhere right. where he can get a hand on it, and he's going to catch it. This is what Mike Evans does. So maybe this goes to the coaching staff, which I doubt, or I'm going to lay it on Jameis Winston. For the entirety of the fourth quarter, and every gotta-have-it play, when the game hand in the balance, you're targeting Brashard freaking Perry. What, what, what are you doing? You, you, you stink, Jameis. You stink. Tampa's got to do something about it's, that It goes back position. to one of the asylum's favorite sayings. Quit trying to make Brashard Perryman happen. Right. <laughs> it's it's not going to work. You have, like you said, Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. Um, you have Cameron Brait. Yeah. Uh, so what are you doing? You have 14 touchdowns. You have 12 picks and three fumbles lost. Yeah. You have more giveaways and you have touchdowns. And most of Mr. those felt Winston. like they happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's just been yeah. – but I just don't you, – you've just got to know, again, we've seen Mike Evans get in these games, get in these modes. I don't care if they're rolling coverage. I don't care if they're doubling it. Throw it up in the air and watch Mike Evans come down with it. He's had enough of this game in his career. Just so foolish, just giving games away. Giving them away. Game ball goes to. I just say, you know, when the old man says he's ready to play, he's ready. I got to give it to Drew Brees. We were all <laughs> saying, why are they starting Drew Brees? They got to buy next week. You know, just let them play. They're winning with Teddy Bridgewater, yada, yada. <sighs> 34-43, three <laughs> touchdowns. He did have that pick, but, you know, a little bit of game rust maybe. But I tell you what, Drew Brees looks great. And they look just that much more dangerous. Oh, with that team, with that defense now. First of all, look, that in the 85 Bears defense he was playing against. But that's I mean, not the 85 Bear offense no, either. That stat line in in professional football after that long of a rest at 47 years old or <laughs> however old, that is so impressive. And, boy, you know, you kind of think about my Nationals is just kind of like a team of destiny, kind of after the way things ended in the NFC title game last year, as well as they, as they played every hit they've taken. No Breeze, no Kamara, no this, no that. Finding ways of winning games. You know, you, you talk about the cakewalk for the Patriots through the A. AFC, well as St. New Orleans plays defense with a pro like Drew Brees, I think that could be – that looks like a championship team to me, I guess well, is what and, I'm and saying. I a team that could beat New England. Who exactly. Has and the key to what you're saying is that defense. They're sixth overall in the league. They're second against a rush, and they're tenth against a pass. With Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, okay, Breeze was there for a couple of games, but most of the season was Teddy Bridgewater. They're 15th in the league in rushing, 12th in the league in passing. They're 12th overall offensively. 
That's going to go up, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And With Teddy Bridgewater when, starting the majority, you're right. Right. And that's going to go up, and you've already got the sixth overall defense in the league. Yeah. This, this team is extremely dangerous, and they are my favorite, obviously, to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC right now. So it's not the Bears anymore? No. <laughs> Good Lord, no. All right. Which way am I going to go? You know what? I'm going to stay. I keep falling for it, Rick. I got all hyped up last year. Nothing. Stayed away this year. Nothing. Then Marcus Mariota gets benched. I gave him a big old game ball and a 10-minute soliloquy on how now's the time. The combination of Ryan Tannehill and Corey Davis was the thing. You know, you talked about Brashard Perryman. I keep trying to make Corey Davis happen. I am out how <laughs> how how after that nice game after you know there does seem to be a rapport there you go out there and two catches for nine yards against the tampa bay buccaneers look we know what they've done against the run i'm pretty sure you can throw on the tampa bay buccaneers or they'd win a few games with as good as that run defense is Corey davis is another one and i usually go the other way with these you know perriman was a good example of that coming into the league you know early on all the draft nicks loved him and it was just a matter of time. I normally go the other way on those. This Corey Davis one I bought into, I was dead wrong, and I am done. I am not falling for it anymore. If you write into the mailbag asking a question about Corey Davis, unless it's how soon should I cut him now or <laughs> yeah. yesterday, you're banned. You're out. You're finished. No more with Corey Davis. Damn it, damn it, damn it. And one good thing about like the mailbag, there are – Virtually no questions about him. I, I think oh, fandom is about done with him as was, well. Was I kind of the last hold on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we're uh, negativity. Yeah, Love stink. it. I'll tell you what, I, there's got to be a stinky sock for the Chargers offensive coordinator for taking like this talent-laden team <laughs> and turning them into like a bowl of cottage cheese and offense. Well, he I mean, got himself fired for yeah, it. Yeah, so. I know, and – I'm giving him a stinky sock on the way out. I mean, so, you know, Gordon's back. I understand that. But does that mean that neither he nor Eckler can produce now? I mean, they did last year. Both of them right. were fantasy viable players last year. Now they're not even producing. Well, the offense just isn't. Mike Williams is. He's a disaster. He is a total disaster. You know, Travis Benjamin's injured yet again. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Keenan Allen's always nicked up. Keenan Allen's nicked up. Hunter Henry had a couple, had a great comeback, but he's kind of, it's just a whole offense is just kind of, eh. And, you know, the, it's nothing but mistakes. And I don't know, I don't know if it's all the offensive coordinators' fault because a lot of their execution just looks like a bunch of blubs and flubs out there. But, you know, come up with something a little more creative. Well, and that's what I don't It's almost like it says, okay, the Chargers are anointed a playoff team this year. Yeah, I have. And and they're like sleepwalking through the season. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And 
And look, this isn't, you know, the average run-of-the-mill rum-dum offense. This is Ken freaking Wisenhunt. This right. guy's a good offensive mind. So I don't know, did, did he hit his head in the preseason? Is this is this Anthony Lynn? I, is this Phil Rivers? I don't know what it is. Because, look, it's real easy to pinpoint what the problem is. When this offense goes well, Austin Eckler has 8, 9, 10 catches. Now you go up against a Bears team that you can run the ball against. You know, they're yeah. hard to throw on or you know you can pass to your running back and he gets two freaking catches and what ends up being a one-point game if 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 Austin Eckler catches nine yeah. balls, he goes for a buck twenty. He gets in the end zone, and you win that game walking away. And, and let's face it, you know, yeah, you won that game, but let's face it, Chicago lost it. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah, you know, I can give a stinky sock to to Nagy too oh, for, for this kneel down and and all this other crap. Run it up the gut. <laughs> I mean, you've got David Montgomery with over a hundred yards. I, I don't understand this uh, uh, analytics. I don't know what it is, or it's just progressive game calling or it's supposed to be I don't know but I have seen more games in all sports it seems well not really hockey but I mean you know in, in baseball we were talked about earlier in the World Series football especially because I watch a lot more of it just you sit there and, and it's a head scratching moment like what are they doing I have no clue and you know kind of like um Nagy in the press conference we had no intention of running or throwing the football on that play. Do you understand me? <laughs> Just like it was a stupid question. Yeah. You know. And then your kicker comes back out and says, well, I prefer the ball in the middle of the field. I would think the head coach would know that. So even if you want to take a knee, move to the middle of the field you and think? take the effing knee. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It, well, it, that's why you hand the football off. Okay. There's only so many Joe Pasarchik moments that happen. Right, right. Okay? I mean, it, it just doesn't, you know, you're going to, I mean, you saw the kneel down. It wasn't like anybody was really coming across that line yeah. of scrimmage. I mean, he certainly could have got a yard or two, but he could have gotten in the middle well, of the field. Have Tr- Trubisky take a step to the right right. And then kneel down. Is that so right. damn hard? It's, <laughs> Nagy, I I don't usually get too worked up for press conferences. You got to watch him because he says something stupid every week. He does. Two weeks ago, well, I know we only ran seven times. You think I'm an idiot? Yes, because yes. you only ran seven times. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not calling you an idiot because you didn't know how many times you did. It's yeah. because of how many times you did. You're an idiot. Right. You didn't know your kicker at that length likes to be in the middle with all these analytics guys and 7,000 people on the coaching staff. Nobody said, you know, Eddie likes it in the middle. Let's get him in the middle. Right. Anyhow. No, and he's you know, and that's the thing that um, that's the thing that gets me. You know, a lot of these guys because they're questioned, you know, they come back with you know, like the Baker Mayfield. You never played the game, <laughs> oh, you know, so you don't know. You know, why can't you go to if if you really want to acquit yourself instead of just being arrogant? Remember Deshaun Watson on on the one. Uh, press conference about a month oh, or so ago. Oh, it broke it all down. That he was goes, so do you cool. know what a cover, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'm not asking to make you sound. I'm just wanting to know. And the guy said something. I couldn't hear what he said. And he broke the whole play down. <laughs> and minutes. that's why I did that. And every, it went away. It's gone, man. Yeah. This guy, thank you. <laughs> you win. Yeah. yeah. I mean... <laughs> Well, and to some degree, certain things, the dynamics of a locker room, you know, the the effort and things it takes to be a professional athlete, I'll accept that. Oh, you know, certainly. You never played the game, sit down and shut up. Certainly. But when it comes to things like this, 
Look, I've never hung drywall in my life, but here's what I do know. Once you put it in the wall, you're not supposed to slam your head through it. And if you slam your head through it and I say, well, now there's a hole in my wall, and my contractor's response is, well, you don't know. You've never hung drywall. (laughs) F you! Don't (laughs) put your head through my drywall. There's a hole in my wall. That's a stupid example, but there are certain things where just simple common sense tells you, I don't need to have done that for a living. I know this is stupid. and. Maggie, you're stupid. Exactly. So we'll use that as my stinky sock right there. We'll hit that. I'm ready to get out of here, Rick. I got to go trick or treating. Your mask is starting to melt off. You're looking more <laughs> grotesque as we go. So let's pick uh, Thursday. Or you got something else before we pick Thursday night football? Well, yeah, I think I think um, since it is October 31st, Ooh, I we wanted- have fun facts. Yes, we I do. like fun facts. We have fun facts for um, things that happened on October 31st. In fact, in 1926. Harry Houdini died, and you know I always thought he got um, he died in like chained underwater yeah, like and all that. Box, yeah, he didn't die in a box. No, what exactly happened that afternoon is, is unclear. But Houdini was backstage with three McGill University students. One of them was Jocelyn Gordon Whitehead. Whitehead asked Houdini about his physical strength and if there's any validity to the rumor that he could withstand any punch to the stomach. Houdini said it was true and invited Whitehead to punch him. Houdini was sitting in a reclining position, and she started started wailing on him. It said, how many times is unclear? But one of the other students said there's at least four punches. She, or he, excuse me, it wasn't, jo- I guess Jocelyn must have been a guy. Is it Jocelyn Gordon Whitehead? It must have been Oh, a yeah, guy. I was picturing some little dainty 109-pound, yeah. no, 1920s guy, woman pummeling him to death. And he only stopped when Houdini forced him to. Houdini claimed that he wasn't expecting the young man to hit him so fast and so many times, so he wasn't physically prepared to take the punches. Long story short, um, the punches ended up rupturing Houdini's appendix. No! Um, <laughs> amazingly, amazingly, he kept performing. He did the show that night. The next day, he did two more, and then he took an overnight train to Detroit. During that time, his condition worsened. Um, a doctor met him at the theater, and he says, um, "He says, well, I'm, he wanted to take him um, not to go on stage. He says, now I'm going to do this this show. He performed, but at the end of the show, he collapsed and was rushed to the hospital for surgery. It was too late. His appendix had poisoned him, and he died 11 days later on Good October Lord. 31st, 1926, at the age of 52. What a, pardon the expression, what a punch in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> that all the crazy, stupid things he did his whole life, and some yeah. dipstick punching him in the stomach yeah. <laughs> backstage kills him. That's crazy. It is. Okay, 1941, construction on Mount Rushmore is completed. So all those big stone... Heads were finally done. All right. 1983, George Papa Bear Hallis passed away at the age of 88. 1991, uh, Gene Anderson, half of the uh, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. When he retired, he was taken over by Arn. That's probably more in oh, your generation. Okay, okay. Arn and Ole Anderson. Yeah, I wasn't you know, following you. Yeah, it was Gene and Ole before. Okay. They were world champions. Yeah, I don't remember. I have no recollection yeah. of Gene. He passed away in 1991, and a year ago today, Willie McCovey passed really? away at the oh. age of 80. So that was the fun facts for October 31st. We need October a Rick's 31st. fun facts sounder. I'm, I'm picturing well, like circus music, do, 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 something like no, that. No, no, more like um, ah, uh, 
you know. The, well, like every word you say is coming from heaven. Is this what you're well, trying no, to but say? It's, it's it's wonderful. Hey, it's something of that nature. I don't think it's wonderful. It's fine. <laughs> it's a big bag of ice. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Marshawn Marshawn thinks it's all right. So. I don't argue with Marshawn. <laughs> all right, right, Rick. Thursday night football tonight. Talk about a snooze oh, yeah. fest. I wish there was a game eight in the World Series. I haven't watched Thursday night football in a while since I've been watching the Nats. 49ers laying 10 on the road in Arizona. i tell you what. This is a game I think will probably be – Interesting, maybe right at the beginning. But I, Sam, I tell you, that defense is, is pretty wow. wicked. I, <laughs> it, wow. it really is. I don't think 10's enough. I'm going uh, San Francisco 31, Arizona 18. Yeah. In reality, I don't believe anything I'm about to say, but I kind of, <laughs> from a. <laughs> Isolate that, right? I hey, know Daniel is. Snyder sitting over <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> but but I'm going to stick with my theory on Thursday Night Football, my gambling theory. Right. You know, you got a good team against a bad team on this short turnaround. You factor in how fired up and how well San Francisco played. Now on the short turnaround to go on the road and be laying double digits. Look, there is no reason the 49ers don't win this game by 40. I'm just going to kind of hedge it and say the good team's going to struggle they're not going to be up for this game you're going on the road 10 points is a lot I had to really mess with the score here to get it under 10 I'm going to take obviously the Niners to win this thing but I'm going to have the cards cover I'm going to say 24 to 16 it's just again I I did that last week when Carolina was playing I'm thinking well that defense will probably stymie him a little bit and they laid 51 on him so it's just this Thursday night thing and, and it's bad it's hard to go it's hard to play on Thursday night you know, check one. It's hard, harder to go on the road Thursday night, check two. Check three, it is really, even though it's a division game, knowing how bad the Cardinals are, it's really hard to get up for that game. So I think all of that in concert, if I was gambling with real money, which I would never do, but no, if I was gambling with real no. money, I'd, I'd put my money on that side of just weird things happen, teams don't care on Thursday. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you in that one. We do disagree on this one, but last week we killed it again, 12-3 and three straight. Uh, Mr. Fligger actually gained a game on me. He was 10-5 and five on the, against the line. I was 9-6. and six. We are well above 500. Rocking it for you, baby. You're so making you money. Listen to the asylum Bet. and win yourself some cash. Send it to us. Oh, yeah. At least, and, yeah, at least beer. Yeah. Something. Send us whatever the juice would be. Uh, something. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Hey, listen up tomorrow. Still time. AsylumFootball at gmail.com. At AsylumFootball on Twitter. You can be part of Rick's world-famous mailbag. We'll answer all your questions. Of course, check out everything over at Full Time Fantasy at Full Time Fantasy on Twitter. Happy Halloween. Go Nats. Finish the fight, baby. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care.